I'm going to start reading tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 22. I might go ahead and turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 22. And tonight I'm going to I'm going to just look at some different places in the Bible where Christ or our Lord is referred to as the rock or stone. And there's a lot of different instances. Uh, I tried to Google and see how many times in the King James Version uh, the word rock or stone was used, but, you know, couldn't get an accurate, uh, no one had the same number. It varied anywhere from 70 to 300 plus. So I, I know that there's a lot of different times that, you know, they, they use that example for Christ. And it seems like a lot of it was David. Uh, he used it many times. And uh, these first few here that I'm going to read are going to be from David. Now I'm going to read from Second Samuel uh, chapter 22, and then I've got four or five other verses I'm going to read, but I've got them written down here so you don't have to spend the time to, to look for them. You can write them down, you can turn to them if you want, but uh, I'm just going to read them. Uh, the first one here, Second Samuel chapter 22. Verses 1 through 3. It says, And David spoke unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my rock in whom will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. Uh, also in Psalm chapter 18, verse 46, he says, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. Psalm 31, 3, he says, For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Psalm 62, verses 6 and 7 he says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Psalm 95 verse 1, he says, O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise, noise to the rock of our salvation. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight. We thank you for the... The word that you've left us, Lord, that we can look at and we can read and, Lord, we can draw, draw closer to you and have a better understanding. And Father, we just pray that you bless here tonight. We pray that you'd uh, watch over everything that's done, Lord, and be pleasing and bring honor and glory to you. And Father, we pray for Brother John's sister Debbie's away, Lord, you give him safe travel back. That you'd be with him this time as he's there speaking. Lord, just uh, bless there and in that situation the Spirit would move upon hearts and, and uh uh, Lord, that they might see souls saved. We just pray that you'd uh, be with those that are suffering, Lord. We think of the Cox family, Lord. We just pray that you'd be there and lift them up and give them the strength they need in this time. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> now, these are just a few of the instances in the Bible where uh, is referred to as the rock. Uh, tonight, I want to look at some other places in, in the Bible, but... And I've said this before, I think it's amazing that something that was written so long ago 
and it just shows God's infinite wisdom and his power, that something that was written so long ago can still be used in instances in our lives today to get us through struggles and troubles. You know, you, I can think back when I was growing up that uh, uh, a lot of people didn't have home uh, phones or landline phones. And those that did, a lot of them seemed like they had what they called a party line. You know, you didn't have your private line. Then as you got older, it seemed like more people got phones, more people had the private line, and you know, it seemed like everybody had one then. Well, then it changed. Everybody started having these little things they called cell phones. And not very many people had them. Well, now it seems like everybody has a cell phone. Hardly anybody has a home phone. You know, it's just a, it's just a, a process that how the world changes. But thank goodness that God's Word never changes. You know, it, it, it stays the same. It was good back then. It's good for us now. Uh, it can it can still be an example for us. I want to go to start out first of all here in Luke chapter six. And I'm gonna read verses forty seven through forty nine. <clears throat> says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation of a rock on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built on a and house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. In uh, verse 47, Christ tells us that if we believe his teachings, and if we believe in him, and we have the start of a foundation of strength, and that can get us through any struggle or hard times. But also in verse 49, he tells us that if we listen but don't believe, then alone without Christ, we have nothing solid to stand on. When troubles come upon us, we'll be overtaken. Uh, if you've ever been to the beach, you know, you can stand there at the edge of the water. The water comes up and it goes across your feet, then it comes back, back out in the ocean. It just keeps coming back and forth. And if you stand there long enough, you can feel that sand underneath your feet start to be swept away. And you can stand there long enough that when you look down, your feet have disappeared. You know, they're covered with sand, and it's just your legs coming up out of the sand. That water washing away that sand, you know, you don't, you don't have a good foundation. You're just there on sand. But with Christ, you have a solid foundation. He tells us here that, you know, the, the storms will beat, but they won't destroy. They won't move you. You'll, you'll still be uh, sure-footed. Uh, back in 2001, I worked for a company over in Ohio for a school that was redoing a school, and this school was only about 31 years old. But it had started to crack. The foundation on it, when, 
when we went to tear it down, it had a good foundation or what seemed like would be a normal foundation for a building of that size. But what they take, didn't take into consideration that the soil or the area where that school was built was pure clay. And they had determined that as that clay got wet, it would expand. And then as it would dry out, you know, it would go back to the side. And over the years of it just keeping doing that, it had ruined the foundation on that building. There was places you could go up the stairwells, and you could take your hand and slide it in the cracks of the mortar joints, you know, and, and not touch the sides of the, the block. You go upstairs, and they had beams and cables and come-alongs trying to keep the building held together. And, you know, being in there, you're wondering how they even let their kids stay through that. But they, they finished a year out in the school, and they went to tear it down. The reason I'm telling you this is, you know, the, the building had a foundation under it, but they didn't take into consideration the soil that it was in. And the engineers had come up with a special uh, foundation for the new school that they were going to put in. They used what they called an auger cast, you know, big, long, basically concrete piers. They would drill into the ground, put rebar. And... But with, with this school, they had to have a special foundation, something different, something unique. But with Christ as our foundation, he's good for any situation, anything that we're going through, any struggle that you have. Christ is good for that. He, you don't need something above and beyond what Christ has to offer. Um, if we go to Isaiah chapter 28. I want to look at verse 16. It says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall, make, shall not make haste. Now we saw back in Luke chapter 6 there, where it talks about a foundation, a foundation, a stone. We've seen that there uh, where Christ says, he that listens or hears uh, his teachings, if we do what Christ is telling us or leading us to do, then we have that good foundation. The next one there, it says a tried stone. If we go to Luke chapter 4, read verses 1 through 14. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into an high mountain, showed him, and to all the, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I, I will give it. 
If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him in a pinnacle on a temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee and keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. We see here where... Uh, this stone, it talks about being tried here. He was tempted. Same temptations we have in, in every day, but Christ was able to overcome them. The next thing it talks about there in Isaiah, Isaiah 28, verse 16, it says the precious cornerstone. If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, and we read 19 through 22. It says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for a habitation in God through the Spirit. There in verse 19, it says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners. It's talking about you and I. It's talking about uh, the Gentiles. It says, But fellow citizens with the saints, brothers and sisters. Last part it says, And of the household of God, or child of God. John 1, 12 tells us, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Verse 20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Where did the apostles and the prophets get their teachings? From Christ. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Anybody, chief cornerstone, anybody that's been around uh, when they build a building or start a building, they're laying block or brick. You know, they don't just start at one point, work their way to a corner and go on down and go on around. They'll start, they'll lay their corners out first. They'll get your measurements. And those corners you know, have to be squared, and, and that determines where the building's going to be at. Chief, and here is talking about Christ being that chief cornerstone, the one that everything goes from, the one we, the, we pull everything. In our life, you know, we should base our families, our jobs, our decisions, everything that we do should come, should be based upon Christ here. He should be our chief cornerstone. Verse 21, it says, In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple, in the Lord. He's talking about the church here. You know, if we come into church here not not hoping to see somebody famous or hoping to uh, get in just good friends with somebody or talk about somebody, if we come in here uh, to God's house and we have the desire to uh, see the Spirit move upon lost souls, see people saved, if we all have that desire, it says right here, of whom the building fitly framed together groweth, unto a holy temple. This church is going to grow. If we have Christ, we, we have that desire to see him take charge, charge of our life. You know, this church is going to grow. Um, verse 22 
says, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Some man the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. John sixteen seven he says, I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about something here that uh, is not actually referred to in the Bible. It's not mythical. It's something that uh, was used in uh, earlier times. It's uh, and it refers, I believe, to to Christ. We can we can refer it to Him. Uh, in early times, a lot of the ships were built out of wood, and they were smaller than the big uh, these big cargo ships you see now, and these big cruise ships. And they were lighter, lighter weight. And they used what they called ballast rocks. And these ballast rocks would be put into the ship. And the pictures that I've seen of them, you know, they were, of course, they were commonly found material that they had in the, in, in the rivers. You know, you'd see these smooth, smooth river rocks. And they were probably about the size of a football, something that somebody could move or load or unload easily. It wouldn't be something that three or four people would have to, to load up or you have to worry about breaking through the ship. But these ballast rocks, the purpose of them was to give weight to the ship and what that would do was give it stability when they would be in rough waters. Now, let's think of the extremes. You know, if you're in a canoe and you're out in water that's rough and these big waves are going, you know, that water's going to throw you. It's going to toss you and turn you and could very easily drown you. But you go to the other end, you take these big cruise ships. And to me, how in the world do they even stay afloat? I don't know, but, I mean, they're, they're huge, and, and they do. And they, they're so big and the weight, they have so much weight to them that when the storms uh, come against them, uh, they're not immune to the motion. But, you know, it takes a stronger wave, it takes a, a stronger storm to, uh, to move these ships, and, and they do move smoother through. So that's what the ballast rock was used for in earlier times. And, you know, we can say that with Christ in our lives, we have, with Christ in our lives, we have stability. We have that foundation that he's promised. And uh, we can make it through these storms that are, that are rough. Another thing is called uh, anchor rocks. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of them. Uh, the ones that I've seen, they're anywhere from four foot tall to about eight foot tall. And they would take these rocks and they would bore a hole close to the top of them. And then they would put a rope through them, tie a big knot so they wouldn't fall off. And, well, they were used just for what it says, you know, to help anchor. But it also says they had an, another purpose. These anchor rocks, if they would put them uh, on each side of the ship close to the front, and I'm not a, a boating person, I really don't know, but this is, this is what they claim, that if these rocks were hung, you know, on both sides of the ship close to the front, that when the storms would come against the ship and, and the waves would be pushing against them, those uh, anchor rocks would help to keep the ship uh, facing the waves or the strong storm. It would keep the ship from wanting to turn sideways. And, it, you know, if a ship would turn sideways in a big storm, those waves would turn it and capsize it, and your crew, your, your cargo, your ship, everything would be lost. So these anchor rocks would help the ships. And, you know, with Christ... 
by our side. When we accept Christ as our Savior, when we have Christ by our side, he helps us to stay focused and get through that storm. He can get us through those storms and uh, keep us from getting turned around and and overtaken in life. Um, That's just information there. 1 Corinthians, let's go to chapter 10. Verses uh, 1 through 4. And this is referring to an event back in the Old Testament. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Uh, I'm going to go back to this part of this where he's talking about them going through and uh, traveling through the, the desert. If we go to Numbers chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. <clears throat> this is... Uh, Moses and Aaron are there. Their sister Miriam has passed. They've, they've buried her. And the people are complaining. They, they're thirsty. Their animals are thirsty. So they go to Moses. And uh, th- this is where they're at here. It says, verse 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron, thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Now, if we, if we go back to verse 8, Moses was told to speak to the rock. And the reason being is, well, you can imagine, there's, there's Moses and Aaron standing there, and he's got that staff that, that God had told him to take. He has a congregation in front of him. Well, he goes out like he did, and he goes to that stone, and he hits that stone. Now, there's going to be some people that are going to look up and they're going to know that God provided that water and they're going to, they're going to thank God for the miracle that he's provided. But there's going to be some people that, you know, no matter how much you do for people or what you do for them, they don't take in consideration actually what you've done or how much you've went through that they can have or receive what they have. Now, some people are going to look at him and see him as he hit that rock and they're going to think, you know, Moses is one that, that provided it. He hit that rock and broke it loose and, and, and provided the water. And when they did that, when he did that, of course, it took away from, from the glory of God. If we see there in verse 12, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given thee. 
Now you can imagine, had he went there to the rock and had just spoke to it, had never touched it, I'm sure that in 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 the minds and the hearts of of more of them than when he struck it, they would have realized that that, that water, that miracle come from, from God, and he would have had that glory. God already knew that they needed the water. He knew that they had a need. He didn't have to have them tell them that they needed water. He knew that. He already had a plan to give them water. He wanted them to ask, and then when they asked, he would provide, and they would know that he was the one that provided that water. Uh, if we go over to Romans chapter 10... verses 8 through 13 it says but what saith it the word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich, and to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In Numbers 20, there in verse 8, Moses was told to speak to the rock. No work required. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, God's word says, Whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No work required. We're to believe in Christ and what he did. We're to confess our sins to Christ. We're to speak to that rock, just as Moses was to speak to that rock. And we would receive the blessing of salvation. God knew the Israelites needed water, and he wanted them to ask so he could supply, and they would know that he provided. God knows we're sinners. And that we need forgiven. And just like with the Israelites, he had a plan. Just as Moses was told to speak to the rock with a little R, we are told to speak to the rock with a capital R. If we believe in Christ's work and confess our sins to him, we will be saved, our sins forgiven, and blessed. Uh, I want to go to John. Now I'm about done here. John chapter 4. <clears throat> John chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 7 through 14. <clears throat> there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, 
Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and the cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water which I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Just as back in Numbers uh, 20 verse 11, when God brought the water from the rock, it says the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and the beast also. You know, I've talked about it before, just how much water that would be. It it would be easy to imagine if there was a big lake or a, a large river or something there and the Israelites and their animals went to water, but they were thirsty and had nothing there. And God sent Moses to a rock, and there was enough water to come out from underneath that rock that not only was enough to get them by, but it says it came out abundantly and supplied for all of them. Well, in John... Chapter 4 here, we just read in verse 10, Jesus tells the woman, he said, Thou wouldst have asked of him. You know, if, if she would have just known who he was and asked. The last part of 14 says, A well of water springing up into everlasting life. As much water as it would have taken for the Israelites and all those animals. Christ says, you know, if we, if we go to him, we confess him as our Savior and confess our sins. He will give us a spring that swells up with everlasting life. Now, Brother John's told us before, you know, it mentions eternal life or everlasting life. It's hard for us to imagine because, you know, here on earth, everything's limited. Our, our time's limited. Everything around us is. But there's coming a time, if you have Christ in your life, that you're going to know everlasting life even greater than that amount of water that came out and, and supplied the needs of all those people and animals. He has enough for all those that will come to him that he will supply. So tonight I went over several things that when we base our life on Christ, we have a solid and true foundation. That with Christ in us or beside us, we have a more balanced life, one that is focused because of him in the tough storms. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, but you believe who he is and that he came and conquered sin and death and shed his blood to cover your sins, then I ask you, what are you waiting for? You can speak to the same rock, capital R, that the Samaritan woman spoke to, that foundation stone, the tried stone, that precious cornerstone, that provides a sure foundation, Jesus Christ.